Our great God, speak to us now. Amen. Uh, This text, John 3, is a text for our church and for our culture. For Balmain, for Roselle, for the inner west of Sydney. Uh, Some texts in the Bible, I don't know if you've ever read the Bible much, you read the Bible and you go, what does that mean? That seems so massively irrelevant for our lives, for where we are. I have that experience sometimes as a preacher. I read the text and I go, oh, how do you make those connections? With this text, this is the perfect word for our day and for our culture. Now you might say, huh? Why? What on earth? Well, I'll show you why. I'll show you why. What we're going to look at this morning is uh, the new birth. And we're going to look at three things about the new birth. It's necessity. It's nature. And uh, the path to it. Okay? It's necessity, it's nature, and it's path to it. Think about this. The necessity of the new birth. And this first point will make it crystal clear why this is a word for us. So this is an encounter Jesus has with this fellow called Nicodemus. Okay? Now, what was Nicodemus like? Well, he was just like us, only better. He was a Pharisee. Now, what does that mean? He was super religious. He really was very very, very concerned about his religion and morality and being good and, and keeping God happy. He, so he was religiously uh, super successful. He was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He was politically powerful. He was a very high-status old white guy. Well, old Middle Eastern guy, but you get it, you know, or an old white girl. He was like us. He was in a position of power and status and influence politically. He was in with the Romans because you had to be to be on the Jewish ruling council. He was in with the Jews. He thought he was in with God. He had it all sorted. Now, now even more remarkable than that, uh, Jesus, we also think, um, the scholars say, he he was quite possibly the chief rabbi. Because Jesus says, you are Israel's teacher. And actually, in the original, there's a definite article in the Greek, which actually could mean, means you could translate it, you are the teacher of Israel. So he is quite possibly uh, the chief rabbi, or at the very least, the leading theologian of his day, the teacher of Israel. Okay, so this is the encounter, right? High status, powerful, rich, has it all together. He's living the life that most people aspired to live. Much like us. Isn't this Belmain? Isn't this Lilyfield? Isn't this the lower North Shore? Isn't this the city? This is us. You know, we're moral. We're religious. We're high status. We're educated. We have favor in our community, in our society. By and large, now it's obviously, you know, we're not all at the very pinnacle, but this is us 
old white guys, old white gals. This is the people around us. This is our friends. You know, I drive down to St. Mary's on a Sunday morning. I drive down Darling Street, and, and I see people like this everywhere. And then, you know, in the mornings on the way, to, on the way into, into work, you know, you, the, the 442 bus coming out of Belmade, full of people like this in their suits and their power and their prestige and their money. The luxury cars leaving the peninsula, streaming to the city, full of this. The people we work with in the city, full of this, right? This is us. And this is an encounter of a rich, powerful, religious person, high status with Jesus. And so it's, there is so much here for us to learn. And the first thing we learn is that even this rich, powerful, successful, religious guy needs to be born again. This is the necessity of the new birth. Jesus says to him, uh, Nicodemus comes to him and uh, comes to Jesus at night. Oh, by the way, I, I forgot to mention this. The other thing that's really important about Nicodemus is he's not really spiritually hungry or interested in Jesus. This is the other way he's just like us and our contemporaries. He doesn't come to Jesus because he's a seeker. He doesn't come because there's some great big gap in his life. He's not in the grip of an addiction. He's not broken. He's not a mess. Uh, if you want that, you know, come back next week for John 4 when we see the woman at the well. Or Alpha, the Alpha video this week coming up, you'll have this amazing story of this guy whose life was changed by God when he's in jail for horrendous things. This is Nicodemus. He comes to Jesus, we think, to do a political deal. He comes at night to see. He goes, Jesus, you've got some, you've got some power. What sort of a leader are you? Are you going to be a rebel? Are you going to cause us problems? How can we bring you into the tent of the mainstream establishment? So he's not interested in Jesus spiritually. I mean, and isn't that just like our friends? It's like a bunch of guys I know, people I hang out with, people I work with uh, in the city, not in the office. They're mostly interested in Jesus here. You'll be pleased to know <laughs> as I look at Wendy and Joe. And I, is that right? That's okay. Yeah. But, but the, sort of the consulting work I do in the city, the people I hang out with there, that's them. And what does Jesus say to this guy? He says, listen, Nicodemus, uh, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again or born from above. And then he says, unless you, and Nicodemus then asks the very sensible question. I mean, he's the chief theologian of Israel, right? And he says, how can someone be born when they're old? Nicodemus asks, surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. And Jesus answered, you're, you're right, I got that metaphor all wrong. Let me, let me just change that. He says, very, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to the Spirit. Uh, Nicodemus's plan up to this point in time, and it was a plan that was working really well for him, was to... Uh, Find out what God wants from Scripture and do it. Find out what will get him power in his culture and do it. Find out what will help him succeed and do it. His, that's his plan. He's executed, he's executed, he's executed, and it's all working well for him. And Jesus says to him, no. That's not going to, if you live like that, you're not going to see the kingdom of God. These... Um, these words are, 
reminds me of, I've used this, one of my favorite lines, that a trainer of Mike Tyson, the boxer said, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face. All right? I love it. This is Jesus punching Nicodemus in the face. Nicodemus comes to him and his plan is working for him. And Jesus just goes, spiritually, no. It's, you think the plan's working, but actually, unless some massive transformation happens that you are a million miles away from right now, you won't see the kingdom of God. It's a punch in the face, right? Now, you might say, that's a little harsh, Jesus. But, but listen, everyone who is executing on Nicodemus's plan, success, status through their achievements is inevitably going to get a punch in the face. And that's going to stop them in their tracks. It's either going to be Jesus punching you in the face, and, or it's going to be the cancer diagnosis, the mental health challenges, the multiple sclerosis, the child dying, your own mortality. I mean, you get the punch in the face from Jesus that says all this stuff that you, that is working for you, there's going to come a time when it doesn't work for you and you're going to hear it from Jesus or you're going to get it from life, right? That's what Jesus is saying. And it's very, very confronting for Nicodemus. And, and this is what I reckon. If Nicodemus needs to be born again, if executing on plan A of religious and moral and political and economic achievement is not working for Nicodemus to see the kingdom of God, to know God, if it's not working for him, if he needs to be born again, how much more do I need to be born again? I'm not nearly as religious as him. Honestly, I'm not. I'm not nearly as smart as him. I'm, not, I'm maybe the theologian of, you know, like Roselle. I'm not the theologian of Israel. I'm not the chief rabbi. I'm just a bloke. I'm not as politically influential or powerful. Most of, if he needs to be born again, how much more do you and I? How much more do our friends and neighbors, right? So that's the necessity. Everyone needs it. Nicodemus and everybody else. What's the nature of this new birth? What, what is he really talking about? Well, he's talking about God doing a work to change us from the inside out and to change us in the way that will bring about a spiritual, a psychological, and a sociological revolution in our lives. That's what, that's what it's about. It's about psych, spiritual, psychological, and, and sociological transformation from the inside out. Let's have a look at the spiritual change that's going to happen. And Jesus alludes to it here. He says... Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to the spirit. So we need spiritual renewal. And what Jesus is doing here is alluding to this wonderful, wonderful promise of God to his people from Ezekiel 36. Back in the Old Testament, uh, seven, eight hundred years before this was written, the promise of God to his people was this. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and I'll put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. So you see what Nicodemus had been doing 
is he had been living life from the outside in. He said, if I do what's right on the outside, and he was doing that very, very well, if I keep the law and I do all these things from the outside, then I'll eventually, hopefully, I'll be okay on the inside. Jeremiah and Jesus says, no, 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 no. God's plan is different. God's plan is, let me change you from the inside, and then the outside will take care of itself. I'll change you from the inside. And it's, it's really profound. He says, we, God's breath is given to us. His spirit comes into us and causes this profound spiritual change in us. Uh, it's a bit like doing CPR on someone who's dying. Uh, last year, uh, a rich old white guy was walking down past the kids' school at Saks and Andrews Cathedral School in the city and walking down the hill there. Fell over and had a heart attack. So he's dying in front of him. And, a, and three uh, year 12 boys come out and see this. And now, thankfully, they've just done their first aid training. So um, one of them jumps on him and starts doing CPR. The other one gets on the phone, calls 911. The other one goes into the lobby of the building, gets out the um, defibrillator and starts his heart again. That's pretty cool. That's your private school fees at work right there, people. You know? <laughs> um, but when you do, what's he doing? The boy who was... The boy who was bringing new life into this old guy dying on the pavement was breathing his breath into this man. And that's what Ezekiel and Jesus is saying God does for us. He comes alongside of us and he breathes his breath into us, into our cold, hard hearts, and he makes us alive again. (sighs) Massive spiritual transformation where there was death now there is life where there is a cold hard heart there's now a living beating heart Uh, brings about a deep psychological transformation as well doesn't it Uh, i mean imagine you know how humbling is this for nicodemus how humbling is this for us uh we're succeeding on plan a we think this is the way life will work for us and then and then jesus says none of that matters hey nicodemus doesn't matter your CV, your influence, your status, your connections, it doesn't matter. None of that matters. What matters is not what's on the outside, what matters on the inside. And, and at the moment, Nicodemus, your heart is cold and hard and you need God to make you alive on the inside. Nothing on the outside matters. That is profoundly humbling. I think that's why many of us really don't like Jesus that much. So humbling. Everything that we've worked to achieve, everything we've built our sense of self on, our competence and our wealth and our success and our attractiveness and whatever else it is, Jesus, it doesn't matter. None of it matters. But it's also unbelievably freeing, isn't it? Why? Because none of it really matters. And look... Even in a congregation like this, we all turn up and, I mean, we don't look quite as well coiffed and together as we normally do because we're all dripping with sweat. And, but I, I suspect you may be sitting there and there'll be people there and you go, look, if you really knew what was in my past, if you knew some of my shame and some of my guilt and some of my baggage, you would go, I'm not, I, I, don't, I can't belong in this church I certainly can't belong in God's presence. God would never really accept me. And, and you feel completely unworthy. 
And it's so, this is so freeing because you know what? No matter what you've done in the past, no matter what shame or guilt, in the kingdom of God, we all enter the same way and we all start at the same place. <laughs> your great achievements won't gain you entry to the kingdom of God and your great failures and disappointments won't keep you out of the kingdom of God because the way into the kingdom of God is through being born again, having the spirit of God breathe new life into you and into me. So it's a profound psychological transformation that really, if we believe it, starts to change everything, doesn't it? Punctures our pride, eases our despair, and sets us free to serve, which takes us to the third point, the sociological or cultural transformation. Here's what you need to know about Nicodemus. Uh, I don't know if you know it, but he appears, he pops up again in the story in John 7, and then again at John 19, right at the end of the story. So in the, in the story, Jesus starts off high status, rich old white guy ruling Israel. Uh, and how does he finish off in John's gospel? Well, story of Good Friday, Joseph, Joseph of Arimathea, who is a secret disciple of Jesus, asks Pilate for the body. Uh, now, um, he was a feared the Jewish leaders, but with Pilate's permission, he came and took away the body. Verse 39 of John 19, he was accompanied by who? Nicodemus, the man who earlier had visited Jesus at night, now visiting him in the broad daylight. And what's he doing? Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds. Taking Jesus' body, the two of them wrapped it with the spices and strips of linen. This was in accordance with Jewish burial customs. Why put that in? Because the new birth has profoundly changed Nicodemus from the inside out. The change is so profound that he's gone from a high status role in Jewish culture to a place where he is willing to do the work for Jesus that only the lowest of low status woman would do in his culture. So if you're a rabbi and if you want to stay pure and holy in, Jewish, in first century Judaism, the last thing you were going to do was touch a dead body, right? I don't know if you know this, but in Jewish thought, dead bodies made you impure, unable to enter God's temple, unable to worship, unable to fulfill your duties. So, so you wanted to avoid a dead body at all costs. Okay. And so who got to, typically in Jewish culture, wrap up bodies and prepare them for burial? Well, the people whose spiritual lives didn't really matter, women, poor women, they did that. So what does Nicodemus do? Here we see the ruler of Israel, super religious theologian, because of the new birth, because of his changed heart now, embracing a task that is menial and uh, impure, beyond the pale, for a man of his status and standing. And he does it to identify with Jesus, to serve Jesus. And it costs him. Because listen, Jesus doesn't just change Nicodemus to bring him socially and culturally to embrace a, a work or vocation of low status or an act of, of low status. It costs him. He brings 75 pounds of myrrh and aloes. So the commentators say that's probably worth, uh, you know, maybe 50 or 60,000 uh, dollars. Actually, that's this is an American commentator, so make that U.S. dollars. So I don't know. So that's an average annual wage in Australia. 
Nicodemus is changed, so he's going he's to drop his status to serve, and he's going to drop a whole lot of cash. He says, the things that I valued before, my status, my ritual purity, and my money, I now freely give those away to serve Jesus. Uh, and guess what? This is not an isolated story, is it? You read the history of the last 2,000 years, and what you see throughout history is people who have been born again, whose lives have been changed by an encounter with Jesus from the inside. This is what they do. They drop their status and their purity and their money to serve others. That's just the normal Christian life when you've had an encounter like this with Jesus. Now, he didn't stop being a Pharisee. He didn't stop having influence and power, but it no longer defined him. He held it loosely, and he was willing to do radical, outrageous acts of service because those things didn't define him. The question then is, how do we get this new birth? What's the path to it, if you want it? Now, the first thing to say uh, with the path to new birth... (laughs) Um, the first thing to say is like uh, you can't get it yourself because <laughs> this would have been Nicodemus's immediate temptation and probably yours and mine when someone gives me a challenge and goes well here be a good Christian my initial reaction is okay what do I have to do tell me what I've got to do I've got to believe it and receive it blab and grab it name it, name it and claim it I've got to walk into this I've got to do this I've got to, you know what do I have to do Quick question. How many of you uh, had a whole lot to do with your own physical births? It just happened to you, right? You didn't say, I mean, the first thing, you didn't choose your parents. They just, you just happened, right? You didn't choose the hour of your birth, the manner of your birth, the place of your birth. It just happens to you. And so it is with the new birth. We can't earn it. We can't organize it. We can't make it happen. We can't contribute it. It just happens to us as a great work of God. Ah, but how? Well, look at the text and see what Jesus says to Nicodemus. Uh, He repeats again that you've got to be born again. And... uh, And then he says to Nicodemus, here's what you need, Nicodemus. I want you to go away and think about something. And here's what I want you to think about. And then he quotes this really weird little story uh, from Numbers 21. No one has ever gone into heaven except the, the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up so that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. And you can imagine Nicodemus going, huh? What? And if you don't imagine that, let me read the story for you. It's really weird. And what on earth does this have to do with the new birth? God's people, Israel, are in the desert, and uh, the people grew impatient along the way. They spoke against, and they're grumbling with God and Moses. Why have you brought us out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? There is no bread. There is no water. There are no bagels. You know, there are no diners. Oy vey, this is miserable. Um, We detest this miserable food. Where's the sauerkraut? You know, it's terrible. There's no pickles. It's awful. Um, And so what does God do? Oh, my people, yes, yes, no, I know. I'll get you back to Brooklyn soon. Just don't worry. It'll be great. No. Then the Lord sent venomous snakes among them, and they bit the people, and many people died. So... 
children, don't complain about the food to your parents. You know, just eat it. That, no, that's not really the message. Uh, the people came to Moses and said, we sinned when we spoke against the Lord and against you. Pray that the Lord will take away the snakes from us. I often think maybe they got sidetracked to sort of Australia. There's snakes everywhere. Um, so Moses prayed for the people. And then what does God do? Some really weird stuff. The Lord said to Moses, make a snake, put it up on a pole. Anyone who is bitten can look at it and live. So Moses made a bronze snake and put it up on a pole. Then when anyone was bitten by a snake and looked at the bronze snake, they lived. Why did God do that? So that Jesus could have this conversation with Nicodemus. And so that you and I could have this conversation with Jesus ourselves. He was doing this to prepare Nicodemus and God's people for this profound truth. That the way people would be saved would be by looking at the Son of Man lifted up on a cross, dying. Just as the Israelites were to be saved metaphorically from their their grumbling and their sin by looking at the snake lifted up, that's there to prepare Nicodemus to say, you will only be saved when you look up at the Son of Man, at Jesus crucified. What does that actually mean? Well, what's the path to, uh, what's the path for Nicodemus and for us to the new birth? Jesus is saying, you must move from understanding me as a teacher to embrace me as a savior. Nicodemus had come and said, I know you're a teacher. And Jesus had gone, awesome but you're not going to be born from above until you understand me as your savior. That it's nothing that you can do that's going to change you, but it's me being lifted up. It's me dying on the cross. That is what is going to give you new birth. And there's another layer that's also profound. Uh, It is this. When you look uh, at uh, later in John's gospel, this metaphor of birth comes up again. Uh, and Jesus' disciples are worried about what's going to happen to them when Jesus dies and goes away. And Jesus says uh, this, Very truly, I tell you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. How is your grief going to turn to joy? Right? Good question. How are you going to find the new birth is another way of putting this. Well, a woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. Now, let me ask you a question. This, this phrase, her time has come. Actually, it can be her hour has come. Memory test from last week in John's Gospel, what, what does the hour and the hour has come refer to in John's Gospel? Jesus' death. That phrase is always applied to Jesus' death. So, the woman's hour has come... And when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world. Every single one of us were given life in this world through the pain and the anguish and the blood and the tears of our earthly mothers. Someone has to suffer so that we can live. And out of the suffering of the mother comes the joy of the child. And Jesus is saying... When my hour comes, I will suffer and die, and through my tears and my anguish and my blood, you will find new birth. You will be born because Jesus dies. 
Jesus is our spiritual mother through, through whose suffering we come into this world. So what is the path to new birth? Well, it's to see the pain and the anguish and the suffering and the blood of Jesus as for you, shed for you, and to come to him and grab onto him and say, Jesus, save me. In the words of the old hymn, nothing in my hand I bring, simply to thy cross I cling. You say, no, everything I've done, everything I've relied on in the past, the plan A of Nicodemus, that counts for nothing. What counts for everything is the Son of Man lifted up, the Son of Man through whose anguish and tears and blood we find new birth. Do you know that for yourself today? Have you been born again? Are you still living like Nicodemus? Or have you had this encounter with Jesus? I want to urge you this morning. Don't leave here. Don't leave here without knowing, not just intellectually, but knowing deeply on your heart that you have been born from above that Jesus is your Savior. He is the one who died for you. And in his death and in his death alone lies your life, now and forever. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you that you were lifted up for us your anguish, your tears, your blood, and your death are the pathway to our new birth, to our life. So Jesus, as our spiritual mother, give birth to new life in all of us, now and forever and for always. Amen.